I'm Stephanie Cox, and this is Mobile Matters. Today, I'm joined by Eric Hauser at Drone Deploy. Eric is the VP of Engineering at Drone Deploy, which is the leading cloud software platform for commercial drones. Previously, Eric was the head of engineering for the Salesforce IoT Cloud and has held numerous other engineering leadership roles at Salesforce, Exact Target, and other tech companies. In this episode, Eric and I talk a lot about the creative ways he's having his team engage with customers. What you need to consider when your company has customers in more than 180 countries and why the QA process only really works, everyone, if you're accurately replicating real-life conditions. And make sure you stick around to the end where I'll give my recap and top takeaways so that you can not only think about mobile differently, but implement it effectively. Welcome to the show, Eric. So your engineering career over the past 15 years has been super impressive with leadership roles at Salesforce and now Drone Deploy. Can you take me back to how you first got started in tech? I was uh, I got started pretty early uh, in tech and more more by accident really than anything. My uh, my dad actually had an old uh, Atari 400 computer in a box in our basement, and I think I just kind of pulled it out one summer when I was bored and started. Uh, hacking around on it. And uh, he had some old magazines where you could kind of learn to program uh, games using basic. So I just kind of started playing around there and got, got interested in computers then. Thinking back to the last 15 years since you graduated college, like how have you seen technology change that's really been instrumental to how businesses really engage with consumers? It's changed a lot. My first uh, job out of college, we were developing uh, web applications for uh, for the government, and you know, even back then, doing things just like being able to renew your driver's license online uh, was something that was uh, you know not used by I think the majority of the constituency, and uh, you know, renewing your plates and things like that were just you know, a very small percentage of people were actually doing. And now it's, you know, I think a lot of people expect uh, services like that to be available online. And today, you know, clients have different expectations. They expect to have a great user experience. They expect your, your web applications to work fast. Um, they, you know, they, they expect when they're searching to have type ahead search and uh, all sorts of other stuff. So uh, I think over the last, you know, we've seen a huge change really in the, the expectations of users because over time, uh, the complexity of front ends has just is, is, has gone up and the functionality available to users has just gone up. And uh, so I think it's a, it's, it's a fun time because, the, you know, the web is always, web is always changing and the uh, technologies available are always getting better. And it makes it so that you can actually put better, uh, better apps in the hands of your users. So when you think about mobile specifically, mobile's changed a ton, especially in the last decade when, you know, you think about the first iPhone being introduced in 2007. What have you seen as the biggest impact from a technology perspective that has influenced how, you know, consumers engage with brands on mobile? Well, I think originally, you know, when mobile first kind of came out, for at least for enterprise companies, there wasn't a, really an expectation from your users that you necessarily had to have a mobile app. And I think that's really changed to where a lot of companies are thinking mobile first. And we, that's certainly something that we think about here at Drone Deploy. You know, we have, um, you know, over 4,000 customers out in the field using our application. And they're using it in areas where, uh, out on job sites, where they may not have great internet connectivity. So we have to worry about offline connectivity. They may be out in the, they may be out in the sun 
where it's difficult to see their screen. And so they're using it in all sorts of different locations and job sites. And um, so we, we have a lot of interesting things that we think about mobile. But for us, it's really mobile first. And uh, we want to make sure that every feature that we develop is available to our clients out in the field. But we also want to make sure that they also have that ex- a great experience on the desktop. And so I think that's really kind of the, the big change, at least in the development side, is that you, you know, as an you know, engineering team, you really have to think about both sides of the equation and have a really good understanding from your customers you know, what aspects of your app are most important in what environments and how best you can support them in those environments. So I know you mentioned you got to know what your customers want. So how do you guys involve your customers in that kind of process to figure out what makes the most sense for mobile versus desktop? Or what are the, you know, the most important features and functionality that you need to deliver next? Well, I think that a lot of enterprise companies make the mistake of not really being customer first and customer driven. And so we try to do as many things as we can to get the voice of the customer involved in, in, in everything that we do. I think I think it's really easy, you know, as your organization grows to start to get maybe a little bit of like an internal echo chamber going about what things you think are the most important in your application. And if you kind of lose the voice of the customer uh, you can end up going in the wrong direction pretty pretty quickly. So we, I mean, we do a lot of standard things. I think that a lot of other companies do, um, which is you know one making sure that we're out in the field talking to customers as, as much as possible, and you know we have advisory council set up for the different verticals that we work in, which are you know construction and agriculture and mining, and so we get that level of feedback. But uh, maybe more interesting is on the engineering side, we also are trying to look for a lot of different ways to actually get our engineers out there with customers. Um, it's not always easy to uh, take, a, take a team, an engineering team, and find ways to get them, get them on site uh, working with customers. But we're lucky enough that here in the Bay Area, we have uh, a lot of customers who use our product. Uh, so it's a, it's a short drive. And so uh, we actually set goals for our engineering team. Uh, and so this year we've got a we've got a goal that every engineer is going to go out and visit a, a customer on site and uh, write up a set of learnings and kind of send that back to the team. Uh, another really great way to kind of engage with your customers is to get the our, our engineers involved on this with our sales team and uh, have engineers participate on sales calls where they're talking to new prospects so they can learn a little bit about what those prospects are trying to accomplish. And so, so it's, it's really, uh, we look for kind of interesting and innovative ways to kind of introduce customers into the process uh, for, for people who normally wouldn't be customer facing. Uh, I think your, you know, your, your product managers and your, your sales team, and they have, they have easy ways to get, to get interactions with customers on a daily basis, but I think it can be a little bit harder for the engineers. So we, we put some effort into that. Uh, and, and, you know, think that it really helps pay off in the development of our software because we can think about customer first, uh, use cases. Well, I love hearing that too, because I think it's so different for you to hear the, you know, the requests or the features that you want directly from a customer versus hearing it from someone else internally who's heard it from a customer it just carries a little bit different weight and allows you to, I think one validated, but also have the opportunity to ask more questions about it. Because I think the questions an engineer would ask, it's probably different than the questions that a sales rep might ask, or even a product manager. It's interesting. I mean, a lot of people, you know, have said that one of the worst things that you can do as a product team 
is develop exactly what your customers are asking for. And the reason that they say that is generally that customers are coming to you with a problem. Uh, well, they're coming to you because they have a problem and they may, they may be bringing you a solution. But if you don't dig a little bit deeper with the customer and then also kind of validate, you know, that customer's solution versus what other customers are telling you, you'll likely end up developing the wrong thing. And so it's great to have, you know, engineers kind of talk to those customers as well, because it's really all about getting a kind of diverse set of thinkers involved in the process. And, uh, you know, we, we talk a lot about diversity in, in tech in the industry nowadays. And uh, one of the things that I think is great about having a, a diverse team is that, you know, across the company is that you can actually have a diverse set of thinkers go out and talk to customers and you can come up with a, a better solution for them by, by bringing people who are thinking about this problem in different ways. And so, yeah, so we've, we put some effort into that and it can be, be challenging to coordinate, uh, but I, I, everyone finds it to be a, a very rewarding experience when they get to interact with their customers and, and help solve problems for them. So I know you mentioned a little bit already about how mobile is used in the field, but can you just, for all my listeners that have never heard of Drone Deploy, share a little bit about, you know, really what your company does and how your how mobile is so critical to your business? We make software for drones that helps businesses manage their, their job sites. And so our software can really do anything from um, automating flights with drones and uh, then taking that data um, and converting it into insights and analytics that kind of allow those users to make informed decisions on those sites. The uh, primary industries that we work with are construction companies, uh, agriculture companies, and mining companies, and uh, really a lot of different use cases um, that are used on top of our platform. And uh, so in construction, you can think about uh, in the early phases of a construction project, you're doing a lot of earthworks where you're um, digging trenches and setting up the foundation and things like that. And in mis- making mistakes in that, that early phase of the project can end up being very, very expensive later on to have to correct. And so Drone Deploy really provides you with a, a real-time, you know, real-time up-to-date view of that project, aerial view. And you can do things like bring in, uh, you know, CAD, CAD diagrams and whatnot and overlay those on top of your aerial data and really validate what's actually being built is, is what you had planned to build. So that, that's kind of construction and agriculture. We, we get a lot of use for uh, farming. So you can do things like, you know, measure the, the health of your crops or validate that you have uh, kind of set your fields up properly from an, an earthworks perspective and just a, a lot of really interesting use cases that we see on drones. And I think even though that we have, I talked about a couple of primary industries that, that we see a lot of usage, we actually have a, a wide, wide selection of uh, use cases that are used on the platform. And um, one of the things that we're actually really proud of is we were able to help out with uh, some of the disaster relief for the uh, campfire fire that occurred um, in Northern California last year. And we were able to take uh, stitch together um, a large number of maps of the area and uh, make those publicly available for the people who are impacted by the fires. And they, until they get those maps, they, they couldn't submit for, you know, FEMA federal disaster relief because they were actually having trouble getting to their property. 
um, because it, it was blocked off by the authorities. And so, um, yeah, a lot of really interesting, interesting things that are done on our platform and a lot of things that we're really proud of. That's a really cool story of how you're able to use your platform in a disaster situation. Yeah. And, and with the, unfortunately, with all of the issues, that, uh, the climate issues that we're seeing, there's, there's, there ends up being more use cases for that. Um, we've had people use it for hurricane uh, relief, like measuring floods. We've, uh, we've actually been used in, I believe, about 180 countries all over the world. And a lot of a lot of those have been kind of humanitarian use cases. We have people who are measuring coastal erosion, for instance, um, with drones. And so, yeah, we see a lot of a lot of really great things on the platform. And I think you know, just kind of tying it back to what we were talking about earlier, it's really just about connecting with your customers. And the especially when it's in a you know humanitarian or disaster scenario, and um, we're we're just there to help. Uh, I think that's something that we're really proud of and um, really like to rally around as a team. So you mentioned 180 countries. How do you think about making sure specifically like your mobile app works on a variety of devices and then also in a lot of those situations where there's limited connectivity, how do you handle, you know, thinking about what's available offline and how it's all going to work when there is connectivity versus when there's not? It's a challenge um, to think about, you know, when you start to think about things like internationalization, so we'll start there first. Uh, and today we currently uh, operate in, we have 180 countries, but we offer a first class experience uh, in English and Japanese. And, you know, for the development team, there's uh, uh, some effort that goes into there and making sure that our application is internationalized and uh, getting the build process set up and making sure that we get the, the, the right keys to our translators. Uh, and so we use a couple tools in that process. I would say that there's, as far as I'm aware, there's there's not any uh, really amazing tools out there today that help solve, you know, offline challenges with mobile. So thinking about new features and functionality you decide to put in drone deploy, I noticed that you guys also have, you know, your app market. How do you balance like what makes sense for your business versus what makes sense for maybe a partner to deliver? Yeah, I think that we generally try to focus on the use cases that the you know the use cases that broadly apply to most of our customer base and being a horizontal uh, company I think can sometimes be a challenge in in that area um, I've been lucky enough to kind of be working for platform companies for the last uh, eight years or so eight or nine years or so and um, that is you know kind of always a challenge where you have customers who are using your software across kind of a vast number of industries and a vast number of use cases. And you're always trying to figure out, you know, where, where to make the, the right investments. And those, uh, you know, I, I think one of the important things about our app market is that, you know, we can't invest everywhere. And in the areas where we choose not to make investments, we have the capability to ha- be extensible for, for our customers. And so whether that's through the use of partners, whether that's the use of companies utilizing their internal development teams to develop apps on our platform, that extension point is, is really critical because we're not going to be able to solve every problem uh, as a company. And we have enterprise companies out there who have very unique requirements and we need to be in a position where we can be extensible for them. So just to kind of answer the question, we generally, you know, look for a lot of the overlaps and, and it's a lot of listening to our customers 
and finding out what the uh, most important areas of functionality are for those customers. And we go after those and, you know, trying to, once we have that figured out and aligned and we have a good roadmap internally, that's when we kind of start to talk to some of our partners and let them know about areas where uh, we may not be investing so that they can invest in. So one of the other things that there's been a lot of buzz about lately has been 5G. What kind of impact do you think 5G might have for drone deploy? It could have a a massive impact for us. I mean, I think one of the things, you know, so if you think about um, some of the scenarios today where you have people uh, who are kind of wanting to make, get get real-time access to insights to some of this data, Today, when you go out in the field and let's say you go capture, you know, 250 images with a drone, you have to sync that data onto your, if there's a couple of different ways you can do it, but if you sync the data to your mobile device and start uploading there in the field, you know, that could, that could take in the range of like an hour to upload over a kind of an LTE connection. Um, I think that maybe it's like 50 photos in 10 minutes is kind of the, the area and we have customers who capture anywhere from. 50 photos to, you know, 10,000 photos, depending on the scenario. Uh, most people want to try to upload 10,000 over up, over mobile today. But, um, you know, so with like 5G coming along, you know, we're talking about uh, an order of magnitude or maybe potentially multiple orders of magnitude increase in upload speeds uh, directly from the mobile device. And so if you're out in the field and you capture imagery and you can kind of upload that data instantly, you know, all of the, the back end, you know, stitching that we do. So we create 2D maps and 3D models, and we create a bunch of insights off of that data. And uh, that can be a fairly complicated and intensive process that may take a few hours. Um, we also have a real-time mapping uh, technology that you can use in the field as well for a little bit less detailed maps. But uh, the sooner you're able to get that data from your drone to the cloud so that we can do the processing, the faster we can get that data back into your hands. And so 5G has a lot of uh, potential for, for us and for our customers in order to just really increase the speed of uh, delivery. And uh, that's, a, that's a step change for them. It's not just kind of an incremental um, improvement. So uh, we're very excited about 5G and the possibilities that uh, come along with it. And uh, I think there's there's also some interesting techniques that we've started to think about and explore a little bit about, you know, if we can get those uh, amazingly fast upload speeds, you know, how, how might we be able to take advantage of some hybrid scenarios between the, uh, the mobile device and the cloud? Because uh, everybody's mobile devices are getting, uh, getting to be having, starting to have a lot of power behind them. You know, there's some interesting scenarios that you can start to think about when the transfer speed between the mobile device and the cloud does not, is not really a barrier for moving around data, uh, you can start to think about some scenarios where you can actually take advantage of hybrid processing between the two. No, I think that's really interesting that you brought that up. Because the other thing that I think of too is, I'm personally super excited about the possibilities with 5G in general for mobile, but what the impact it's going to have on consumer expectations too, if I'm able to do things faster, like to your point, uploading photos from my drone literally almost within seconds, if I take, you know, a thousand of them, what does that mean for the expectation I now have for getting those maps back to me? Do you start to see that, you know, before waiting a couple hours made a lot of sense, but now I'm impatient because I can do this faster. Why can't I do, you know, the next part faster too? Speed of delivery is something that is, uh, is always generally talked about in a number of the platform companies I've worked at. And, 
you know, from a from an end user perspective, there's a there's kind of a barrier there where you think about can I get something in real time versus do I have to wait some for something? And if you have to wait for something, generally the different you know a 20 percent difference. Uh, in speed is not something that's as as noticeable by the user if they're waiting hours for something. Uh, but if we can now go and find a way to make it so that instead of it being two hours, it's 10 minutes, right? That is noticeable to the user. And um, so, yeah, so I, I do think expectations will ramp up uh, as 5G and, and it becomes a little bit more widely available. And, uh, you know, so that's something that we're always keeping an eye on. So we we actually developed a um, a solution uh, called Live Map uh, last year and and have released it uh, as a GA product that actually allows customers to make maps in real time in the field directly on their phone and that was something you know even three years ago two three years ago we probably couldn't have done because the the phones really just did not have enough horsepower to be able to do that but you know if you imagine uh, taking a drone and flying it over uh, a field and just seeing that map render right there in real time on your screen. That's how, that's how live map works. And so we are always kind of trying to balance, you know, the speed versus quality, which is really the trade-off in, in mapping. But the, the phones have gotten good enough to where we can do a lot of really interesting things in real time. So speaking of balancing between the two and just Overall, you know, all the decisions that you have to make in general, what do you think your biggest challenge has been on mobile? Making sure that you're always testing your software in the environment that your users are using it. One of the things that I always say here is that we can go out and QA our drone software a hundred times in our QA environment and it will work the same every time. But if we then go release that software out to our users who are now using it in, you know, scenarios where they don't have great connectivity um, or, um, you know, scenario where potentially they're using a different device than we were testing with, then it can work very differently. And so we've invested a lot of energy into our QA processes uh, making sure that we're using, we're testing on all the different devices that our users are testing with that our users are actually using, uh, making sure that we are testing in different climates and scenarios. Uh, I'll give you an example: is we had a uh, a customer who we were work demoing on their soft, or demoing our software for, and a feature that we've used um, all a lot of our customers are using production, and so no concerns about it. And they were having a lot of trouble getting it to work, and we we had a little bit of trouble figuring out why. Uh, and it, it so happened that this customer was flying next to a, uh, a utility that was producing a large amount of, I think, believe it was electromagnetic interference. And uh, so this, the signal between the drone and the phone wasn't, wasn't working correctly. That's, that's something that's very difficult to kind of QA or to replicate. Uh, and it's not like a normal scenario. So we've had to build tools, uh, for instance, uh, for making it so that we kind of... Uh, synthetically create those those scenarios in our kind of our QA and testing environment to make sure that we're, we're testing for things like that, uh, as well as making sure that we've got the tools in the back end for when those situations do occur, that we can debug those for our customers. So what's been your biggest success then? You know, I take it back to kind of the customer, right? 
And if we are finding value for our customers and they love using our software, then I think the other stuff kind of falls into place. And uh, we, we have a great set of customers here at Drone Deploy and ha- they've done some tremendous things uh, on top of a platform. And when I kind of go back through our blog and look at the, the different use cases that we've been able to talk about, and then some of the use cases that I know internally with what our customers are doing with our software, that to me, you know, makes me feel pretty good and tells me that we are, uh, that is a big success. So one last question for you. If you have to look into your crystal ball and tell me where the future of mobile and tech is headed in the next, let's say, five years, what do you see? I mean, at some point, I think we'll see the desktop really becoming almost irrelevant. But you know, the question and when that will happen is, is probably the more, the more interesting one. Do I think that'll happen in five years? I don't know. I, I think the, you still see the desktop as kind of the primary, you know, tool for business users who are sitting at a desk all day. And, you know, in our field, a lot of the customers, a lot of the users are actually people who are out in the fields, right? So the mobile matters for them a lot more. But, you know, most uh, consumers today are primarily using mobile as a way to, to interact. And I, I believe that the stats are thing this year might have been the first year where more online shopping was done on Black Friday on mobile devices than it was desktop. And um, so, you know, I think that we will we'll hit some point, uh, you know, hit an inflection point at some point within the, the kind of the enterprise SaaS industry where we start to see that business users are primarily using mobile as opposed to, to desktop. But uh, I think the, the question is, is really when. But for us, we're, we, we're a mobile-first company anyways, because that's, that's where uh, a lot of our primary user base is. And so that transition will be a little bit easier for us to, for us to swallow. For, for other companies who've been developing their platforms for, for a long time and have built up a lot of technical infrastructure um, on their front ends on, on desktop, uh, finding a way to deliver that same experience on mobile is a, is a challenge because it's a, it's a big investment. And, you know, trying to balance, uh, you know, when you want to start that investment and how much you want to put into it is, is not an easy question to answer. How much fun is it to talk about drones with Eric? What I really loved about the conversation with him is that we're not only talking about technology that most of us probably find extremely interesting, but such a significant portion of his business is actually dependent on mobile. While we all know the importance of delivering these exceptional mobile experiences, the stakes are even higher for companies like Drone Deploy, where mobile is really a linchpin in how their product actually works. And even though we were talking about drones, which once again I love, all the insights he shared are applicable to almost every business. There's so much we can learn from our colleagues in engineering and development that help us as marketers develop one closer working relationships with them, but also give us a different perspective on how we think about engaging with consumers on mobile. Some of the best inspiration I've found comes from people with diverse backgrounds, and that's one of the many reasons why I wanted to interview Eric on the podcast. Now, let's get to my favorite part of the show, where we take the education and apply it to your business. There's so many great insights from my conversation with Eric that can really help transform how you think about mobile marketing. Let's dive into my top three takeaways. First, we have to start coming to terms with the fact that we need to take a mobile-first approach to literally everything we do. This is a topic that I've talked about previously on the podcast, but I think it's really worth repeating because as I speak with more and more marketers across the country and really across the world, 
We're all talking about the importance of mobile first, but when I dig into what people are actually doing to make that a mobile first mindset in their company, I realize that we still have a long way to go. That's why I want to reiterate the value of leading with a mobile first mindset within your organization and actually putting that into action. With consumers spending more than three hours a day on their mobile devices, more than 50% of web traffic coming from mobile, 61% of email opens, once again, on your mobile phone, and almost all of social media being consumed on a mobile device, and 46% of consumers being willing to give up one day off of work a week, people, rather than their smartphone, we have to realize that mobile is really a majority of where our content is being consumed, and it needs to be the focal point of our marketing efforts. Now, I'm not saying that we need to ignore the desktop completely. We still need to take it into consideration. Right now, I'm recording this podcast on my laptop. But we need to design for the mobile experience first and consider desktop second. Consumers expect us to deliver an exceptional mobile experience that really meets or exceeds their expectations. And if we don't, we're going to see the consequences of that decision. And sometimes I don't think we realize that. So let's take a look at some numbers. 57% of consumers won't recommend a business with a poorly designed mobile website. And 62% of people are less likely to purchase from a brand again if they've had a negative experience on mobile. Those are big numbers, everyone. And that's why I really believe it's time for us all to adopt this mobile-first mindset and start leading the change for strategy within our companies. Next, we all know the importance of listening to the voice of customer, and most of us probably have some type of VOC program that's running today already. And that's a great first start. But what we can really learn from my interview with Eric is how valuable it is to get more people involved in the process of talking with customers. In my experience, most of the VOC work that is done in organizations, whether it's formal or informal, is really led by marketing, customer success, and product teams. And other areas of the organization, like engineering, finance, operations, don't tend to be involved in hearing directly from customers. Instead, they're hearing that customer feedback from someone else in the organization that's kind of sharing it as a roll-up report. Now, I get it. It's not possible for every single person in your organization, especially if it's a large one, to talk to customers. But there are ways for us to create these engaging experiences for more people in the organization. And that's really why I love what Eric is doing with his team. How many times do you hear of engineering teams that have an annual goal of going to the field, hearing directly from customers, and writing up their learnings to share back with their team? I know I haven't heard of anyone doing that until I talked to Eric. Now, that's not only going to give them great feedback that they get to hear directly, but it's also going to give them the ability to ask probing questions that others may not think of asking because we think about it from a different perspective. Finally, how many of us are making sure our QA process is truly aligned to the actual conditions that our mobile experiences will be used in? Now, if you're like me, your immediate reaction is, well, of course mine is. Why wouldn't it be? But start to think back to what Eric said. He shared about how the drone deploy mobile app is used on construction sites where there's low connectivity, the sun can shine directly on the screen, and even electromagnetic interference can impact their ability. How many of those would you have immediately thought about needed to be included in the QA process for testing their, their app? I know I wouldn't have thought of all three, and that's likely the case for every business. You're going to have similar conditions that are unique to who you are, how your mobile experience is used, where it's used, when it's used, and by who. And that's why you need to think beyond just device testing when you go through the QA process. We should be thinking about QA processes that really replicate as much as possible the real conditions that our mobile experiences will be used in. And that's going to help us ensure that we're aware of any potential issues and have the ability to fix them before they get released. 
I also want to touch on device testing as part of the QA process. Unless you have an enormous QA team, which most of us probably don't, it's going to be impossible to test every single mobile experience and every device type and every operating system that exists. And I'd love to believe it's possible. We all know it's not reality. So many of us are probably testing based on the top devices and operating systems used to access our mobile experiences. And given our limited resources, that makes a ton of sense. However, I think the question we need to start thinking about is, are we overlooking how many people might be impacted when it's only 1% of our users? Prior to last week, I would have said, nope, 1%, don't need to worry about it. But David Brunel, he happens to be the director of product engineering at Starbucks, last week on Twitter said something super profound that really stuck with me. What if that 1% represents 100,000 people? That really puts things in perspective. We can't just look at percentages when we think about device testing or how many people might be impacted by a bug in our product or our mobile experience. We have to look at both percentages and the total number impacted. The percentage might seem low, but the actual number of people could tell a completely different story. Now, here's my mobile marketing challenge for the week. Think back to the last time you got out of the office and talked to your customers. And I mean physically out of the office and talk to them face-to-face. If it wasn't in the last month, then it's time to find time in the next week to make that happen. You should be finding ways to connect with your customers on a monthly basis at minimum, everyone. I'd also encourage you to bring along other members of your team, especially developers who are responsible for creating those mobile experiences that your customers use on a regular basis. It's going to be extremely beneficial for them to hear that feedback directly, and it's also going to have this great benefit of energizing them when they realize how much they can actually help. I'm Stephanie Cox, and you've been listening to Mobile Matters. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Until then, be sure to visit Limivate.com and subscribe to get more access to thought leaders, best practices, and all things mobile.